Kakore! Hello, you. This is Her Majesty's Prison Service. You are receiving a telephone call request from prisoner 272426, currently residing in Dripping Horton Maximum Security Prison. If you wish to accept this call, please press the yellow cuts button in the center of your telephone dial. Oh, Simon, what the fuck? Rance, that you? Yeah, yeah, Sal. What Hello, the mate. hell are you doing banged up again? Right, okay, well, I can't take ages talking about it. The warden here is really strict on time for phone calls. So let me just tell you really quickly with no interruptions and then we can talk about other shit. Mm -hmm. Right, okay. So I got a bit of a deal from this bloke in the People's Republic of Donetsk for wangers. <laughs> And he got me like 20,000 crates of wangers. And he said, there's no um, best before date on them. And I was just like, oh, mate, it's amazing. Yeah, and um, yeah, yeah. I, I borrowed the money because I don't have much money. Mm. As you know, I borrowed the money, got a big, got a big loan, sent the money through. And I was really worried I was going to get ripped off. But then the wangers arrived. And then, of course, Cinnamon Stairs didn't open up because of lockdown. So I stuck with all these wangers. And I was like, oh, God, what am I going to do? I'm in so much debt. Anyway, double whammy. I gave all the <laughs> wangers to um, an orphanage. Yeah. Right? Good. To charity. So far, nice so thing, good. Nice thing to do, right? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then I robbed a post office to pay off the yeah. loan. Yeah. Problem is, I got caught by robbing the post office, and but much, much worse, mm. although not my fault, is the dude in uh, the People's Republic of Donetsk. Turns out that there was lead poisoning in the tins, aka the terror, yeah. and uh, and uh, I'm up for manslaughter how of many, 28 people. How many kids? 28. 20. Okay, 30 sounds bad. You know, yeah, not 30. Yeah, anyway, it's been a, it's been a really bad week. You have to forgive me. I got a bit of a cold. Um, I was in um, the last two days. I've basically been waterboarded eight hours a day. And then I got thrown into solitary confinement. There's this bloke in here, I can't tell you, he's terrifying, right? There's this bloke in here called Fritz Keswick. And um, I thought he'd finished his breakfast. And so I picked up his tray and finished off his beans. 
he wasn't happy. Mm. He went absolutely ape shit. And um, I mean, this guy, Fritz Keswick, a.k.a. Killer Keswick, a.k.a. Facebucker Fritz, he went he went to work on me like no one's business. And we were separated and both put in the solitary confinement. And this is when it got really bad. What? What happened? Right, so I put into solitary confinement um, for two days, which doesn't sound a lot, but it's what I had to endure in there at the time. So I was forced to watch Justice League, followed by the Snyder Cut oh, on so a you, loop. So what, Joss Whedon's theatrical release? Followed by the Snyder Cut, so six hours of Justice League ah. on a loop, two right. days. Okay, well look, we can talk about that because I've actually finished watching Snyder Cut the other day with uh, Stephen Jimbo. Oh, that's a coincidence. <laughs> um, so you, you, we know, we all know why the Snyder Cut hap- happened, right? Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. To course. cut a long story short, everyone listening to this, they already know already, right? He he created a four-hour epic movie, um, sent, showed it to Warner Brothers. They said, "What the hell do you think you're doing?" Um, they're looking over the. I'm looking over the fence at Marvel, saying, look, look at these guys. You're, you're just yeah. bringing me dread for four hours. Um, unfortunately, some very tragic events happened within Snack Snyder's family. We're not going to get into it. It's super sad. Anyway, that also caused Zach to, to leave the project where it was. Um, and then it seems like Warner Brothers brought in Joss Whedon um, from Avengers Assemble fame and said, look, can you do what you did to Marvel over here? Create an and he lied. And he lied and said, yeah, of course yeah, I can. Yeah, of course I can. And he made an absolute mess. Um, and then since then... Um, it's tough. His, his version's appalling. Yeah. And, um, and, but and just, I, just, just to quickly bring us on, onto, onto the page, since then there's been a massive cult uh, calling and movement for the Snyder Cut to be released. Basically, Zack Snyder's film, which he did record, put it all down. Obviously, it wasn't finished, wasn't colour treated, no CGI yet and what have you on music. But the, the main bulk of the film, filming was there. And that happened for a few years. And then eventually, Warner Brothers buckled and said, OK, look, HBO Max is out. We'll drop it on that. Zack Snyder said, great. I need $70 million to finish it off, do some CGI and what have you. And maybe, I think he added four minutes of extra footage. And that was it. And, and, and now we've got it. We've got what he wanted. And it's out there. And what did okay. you think? Someone wanted it. What did you think, Simon? Uh... Well, look, it starts great. It does, doesn't it? It starts yeah. pretty strong. I was watching it with Steve, and Steve, um, like, had no intentions in in watching it at all. He said, "No, I've got no." And it's the same here. I I had no intentions to watch it. I completely hated uh, Joss Whedon's um, take on it. I left the theater angry when I when I watched that. Um, and I always catch any superhero movie when I can. Uh, yeah. And that one really pissed me off. Um, so when this whole Snyder cut. Uh, movement was happening I was completely uninterested like forget it it's a dead dog and I, I was I was the opposite and I, really? I'm not a hero movies at all but I was like oh that's like that's interesting and I, yeah. I thought the whole the whole thing of the how how it got greenlit was possibly more interesting than the project itself I mean I didn't like this whole like stream of like toxic twitterings um where it's basically people stamp their feet, you know, like the Virginia bad breath masses that hang out at Games Workshop. Yeah, lots of incels. 
screaming blue murder, like, you know, like something really appalling had happened. Look, they've just, got it done. Uh, they got it done. It worked. Um, and just getting back to it, that first, you know, I wasn't interested in it. I, I, I jumped onto the hype train, though, come come near the end, come come release time. I was on a hype train. I was like, come on, okay, let's do it. He's got it. It's yeah. a director that actually had a vision. You know, Steve was, actually what Steve said, he was pretty angry about, okay, we can't start letting the fans control Hollywood now. Um, I think the major point of this is, it's, it's different to say when Ryan Johnson did um, The Last Jedi or whatever, you know, there's, there's a big toxic uh, fan base um, reaction to that, saying, no, we want it redone, yeah, reboot the Star Wars. That's nonsense. That's absolute nonsense. In, sna in this case, in Justice League case, it was about, no, no, it's already made. We're not changing it. We're unchanging it. We want the, un we want the change to be gone. We yeah. Want the real yeah. So, so in that aspect... Fair enough, you know, and, and, and hats off to them. Also, I think I think even more importantly, um, you know, although they've been able to hide behind curtains of um, not so much deceit, but Warner Brothers have come out of this better than anyone because they had this turkey of a movie, which Joss Whedon had brought them and everyone thought was bullshit because it was because yes. the position between Snyder's stuff and Whedon's like comedy bits are so it's, it's, jarring. It's, jarring. and then so you know Warner Brothers have HBO Max uh, one of the worst streaming services known to man it's been a <laughs> dog it's been an absolute dog of a mm. product for them and they're like fuck so this has all come together for them rather nicely suddenly they've got a, something on HBO Max which you know 70% of the cinema-going public want to see. Mm. And that's a lot, but that's probably right, considering superhero movies are the majority of what's been put out in the past 10 years. They So they not only do they save face, they um, they recoup on a, you know, they oh, recoup they on a some, lot. Yeah, they get some money from HBO Max. So um, they're, you know, they're the ones that come out a winner. They also... It also makes it look like um, they care about the Snyders. Mm. They care about the DC fan base. Mm. Job done for them. And it only cost them a couple of Christmas bonuses. Do you know what I mean? Well, now they've kind of, maybe they've inadvertently created a Frankenstein monster because now, rather than the hashtag release the Snyder cut, it's, you know, you know let's have the Snyder universe now. Well, I think I, I think what I, I imagine what they do is is like now they can take the good bits from the Snyder Cut, of which there are a few, yeah. without doubt, and green you know green like another three films, but with a new director at the helm. Well, this is it, you know. He's even though, contract, right, and like so that's another win for them. It's just like there you go. Blah blah blah. Now fuck off. I don't know. Um, well, the Snyder fans aren't gonna aren't gonna f off, are they? they they're gonna say, look, we want we want Zach's, which we'll get to at a point. His, you know, he's 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 got a trilogy for this Justice League movie. You know, it ends with on a on a, on a cliff edge with a hint of what's to come. Um, yeah. The the kids are gonna say, look, we want Zack Snyder back at the helm. Yeah, but I mean, that's unrealistic, isn't it? I mean, if you think about it, not the Avengers movies are made by different guys. That's true. Why? Why? Why couldn't someone else step in but and like cheer us all up a bit? Well, it's because yeah, I hear you. Zach has his own very niche style, and there's a, there's a big fan base that like that. But look, we'll get there. But going back to the beginning, we we're saying you know, Steve wasn't keen on it. We were watching the first hour, 
maybe nearly two. And he was saying, do you know what? I might have to eat my words. This is looking pretty damn good. It starts off yeah. really strong. It had even had hints of um, Lord of the Rings to me, you know, when they were talking about the mythos of it, the battles um, from beyond when the humans were fighting with the Amazonians and the Atlanteans and Darkseid came down. That was all good. That was all gravy. That, that bit's all sort of Wagnerian, isn't it? It feels like the ring cycle, yes. um, like Twilight of the Gods sort of yeah. moments, and um, which which was really interesting, but, mm. um, and, you know, I'm not the best person to talk about it because I don't know the full extent of the DC universe, just like I don't know hardly anything about the MCU. But, mm. like, in what felt weird to me with all that kind of weird shit, it's just like suddenly you see Batman in Gotham City. It's like... Do you know what? That, yes, I've had this... Yeah, far, I mean, Batman's about as far removed from Lord of the fucking Rings as you can get, isn't he? This is it's the- just weird this yeah this is the problem this is the absolute problem and i completely understand what you're saying um look before I we think wonder woman in it I'll, 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 yeah sense. i want but, listeners to know that we're not both going to be um dragging it through uh uh through the dirt this film i actually i'm going to have a case of saying why i actually like that it's out and why i you know i enjoyed it um but yes there's a problem with that there's you know you've got the lord of the rings which is you know the this is a fantasy movie. Yes, it's a superhero genre movie, but it, in, in all its essence, it's fantasy, right? We're talking about flying gods, uh, 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 demons from different dimensions. It, it's a fantasy movie, but so it works at the beginning when we're looking at these Atlanteans, these giants, these um, yeah. Amazonians. This all works well, but you're absolutely right, and I get this. This is what jars me. Once you see Superman with his cow, once you see Flash buying a cup of coffee, once you see police cars and it's all grounded all of a sudden, we're all back to our real world. It's pretty hard pill to swallow all of these fantastical tropes. This is the problem with Zack Snyder, you know, and it's great that he goes 100% because you get the best of Zack Snyder, you also get the worst of Zack Snyder. He, he's obviously very influenced by uh, Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. He loves that whole grounded aspect. You know, he, 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 that was a game changer for the superhero genre. Um, well, it's a game changer for Batman. Yes, for sure. It changed. It changed Batman forever, didn't it? I so, mean, no pun, that, no pun there. That that, tri- that trilogy, that trilogy is what will define um, Batman in cinema. And it doesn't matter what they do to the DC universe. Those films are, you know, I mean, Christ, those three films are so much better than anything that Warner Brothers have done with the DC Universe, from Man of Steel to Batman versus Superman, the R-rated cut of Batman versus Superman. And and these are all Zack Snyder films you're mentioning as well. And this is it. Well, the important thing is they're not just that. They're Deborah Snyder, too. She's like the producer. She's Mm -hmm. a big wig of, like, in the DC Universe, right? Of course. And she's massively overlooked, and which is fucking terrible. Yes, it's like Zack Snyder's cut and all that, and they're talking about, the, you know, his daughter and stuff. It's her daughter as well. Do you know what I mean? It's like, she's not just produced his stuff. She, hasn't she produced the other DC movies, like Aquaman? Yes, yes. But look, let me just so, get back to, to that tone thing that we need to tackle first, that fantasy right. tone. Um, he's heavy, heavily influenced by Nolan's trilogy. So he's incorporating all this amazing, great, grounded um, sides to to presenting this character 
Yeah. Also, he's so attached. He's such a fanboy. He loves the comic book tropes and what's on the pages, what's in the panels. So he brings all of that in as well. And they're completely jarring. We've got something really grounded and it's something completely fantastical. It's it's quite hard to swallow because what he's telling what he's asking us now, he's saying, Look, I'll need you to take this seriously as much as I do. You have to take this seriously. This is very important. Um, it's almost it's religious. I need you to accept it that way. But then you've got something ridiculous like you know, um, Steppenwolf or or some really out there characters, and you're expecting us to swallow that at the same time as accepting that this is now and this is uh, you know this is almost like a, a Nolan movie. That's where people. Yeah. That's I think that's where people start um, either loving it or hating it. Um, you know, yeah, well, you, could I mean, love a, you could love a Lord of the Rings movie. It's fantastical. You've got a big tower with a flaming eyeball. You've got goblins. Yeah. You've got orcs. And we're fine with that. You know, we're not questioning that. We, you know, but for well, some reason... You're not, you're not dragged out of that universe this at all. Is it, this is it. This is you're why... You're completely immersed in it and there's no let-up, right? Is, while yeah, in this, you're right. So this is why... Well, in this, you've got, you've got 20 minutes on, 20 minutes off, 20 minutes on, 20 minutes off. It's like back and forth, back and forth. So it, I mean, well, for, for, for a four-hour movie, I've got to say, it's never fucking boring. That's no, no, no. Sure. You're absolutely right. And, but to me, its problems lie in the fact that... Uh, and maybe I am one of the better people to talk about this because I don't like superhero exactly. films. Exactly, that's why that I wanted up. you to do this, yeah. Is that, uh, but I am a big fan of comic books and graphic novels, yeah. do you know what I mean? Not not huge, no. but I mean, I've, I've read plenty of them. Mm. All that stuff works absolutely fine on, a, on the page. No problem. You can swallow all of it. I mean, from 2000 AD stuff, that, you know, which is what I'm really into, like Nicolai Dante, that character, I mean, it's the most mental comic strip ever. But it, it works because it's a comic book, not a problem, you know? But if it's a movie, that ain't going to work. Do you know what I mean? It's not going to work because a movie is so overwhelming as a medium because of sound and vision and what, it, what that can do to you emotionally now you you try and make something super uber serious about something absolutely crackers. To me, it falls. That's where it falls on its ass. So so mate, so so what we're saying here is we're not saying that okay, you can't translate something from a comic book onto the screen. But if you do, you need to keep that in mind of um, balancing. You know, do you want us to take this seriously or shall we take this with a massive pinch of fantasy? So we look at the Marvel Universe and they've knocked it out of the park. You know, you can't deny it. They've knocked it. They found a great balance of fantastical seriousness. You know, they get some really good um, uh, character moments in those Marvel films and you really care about them. OK, at the same time, you've got a big purple guy with a, with a testicle chin going around looking for magical diamonds around the universe. And, you, and you're in it. You're in. You're so yeah. in. And, and that's that balance. What Zach does is, you know, he's, he's doing what Nolan's doing. Like, okay, no, this is, this is, you know, we're not having any fantastical stuff in, but he is, he's bringing fantastical stuff. He's got the mm. treatment of Nolan, but bringing in all of the Marvel fantastical stuff. And that's for some, you know, for some reason, it, it, you, you do open yourself to criticism Then you have to open yourself to some sort of criticism. If well, you want to be taken seriously, then you're going to be critiqued seriously. If, if you yes. say this is going to be like a fun, um, nonsense movie, then fine, we'll just take it as it is. But for some oh. reason, it's just how Zach um, executes it. It kind of opens itself up to be critiqued 
as well as uh, movies such as The Godfather or yeah. uh, 2001, which, look, yeah. I love comic book movies. I was brought up reading comic books and I, love, and I love them. But look, I don't compare them to Lawrence of Arabia, you know. Um, I know which ones are more artistic and, and which one you get more um, pleasure from in regards to storytelling. But I get so much more, I get a lot of pleasure as well out of um, the popcorn element of watching a comic book movie. And I, I'm happy to separate them. You know, I was saying to this with Steve, you know, you could watch an episode of The Wire and then watch an episode of The A-Team. They're both TV programs, okay? And you both uh -huh. can enjoy them. You shouldn't be comparing them. There's no need to compare them. But if you're going to create an, an A-Team episode, trying to make it look as if it's a, a Wire episode, then surely you're going to be exposed to that yeah. eye of criticism. And that's why that's I think a, it's fair to that we, that, we can that, start critiquing this. Perfect example, um, that is, totally. But one of the things for me is that um, DC, Warner Brothers, maybe Snyder too, they haven't helped themselves because... Um, I, you know, first of all, let me just let, I'll, I'll get it all out there. But first of all, it's it's fine for DC to um, have a look at what the what Marvel have done with the MCU and gone like, well, come on, man, we should be doing that. That's fair enough, totally. You know, they're entitled to make as much money off that product as they can, right? Mm. So that's what they've tried to do. But instead of the patient plotting of what the MCU have done with like 10 movies before something, you know, before an Avengers of movie, course, right? Something like that. And it, what you've got with the DC universe is fucking everything rushed and crushed into like two or three movies. And then you've got the Wonder Woman movies, which are much better, I think. But if you look at Man of Steel, right? And then you look at um, Dawn of Justice, Batman v Superman, the amount of stuff that is crammed into Batman v Superman, it's just like, hold on, what fucking, you know, it's like, which plot line is this, blah, blah, I mean, it's like, it's like 20 years of DC in one film. <laughs> yeah, and, it's right. the, and that's exactly what this one is too. You're absolutely right. But, but, and, and that was, you know, everyone knows that's what, that was the fault of Warner Brothers. They started to run before they can walk. They needed to, if you want us to care about these groups, we need to have a bit of a character development going on beforehand, before we can be introduced to them properly as a group. So we need, so we've got some connection with them. The thing is though, Marvel has, has done uh, uh, group movies before, which you've, when you've never heard about any of the characters before. For example, Guardians of the Galaxy, okay? And they're even more fantastical. There's a walking tree, there's a talking raccoon, there's a couple of aliens, and we're, we're you know, we're expected to get to know them straight away. And they, and they did it, they pulled it off. Um, look, in regards to the Zack Snyder cut compared to Joss Whedon cut, it has improved significantly. Come on, it, it, it's, it's a much better film than Joss Whedon's because we do have at least a few more hours of uh, character yeah. development with, with um, Cyborg well, and what have you. Well, I wanted to talk about that. I mean, yeah, of course it's better. I mean, if it wasn't, it would be the biggest disaster. Oh, God, that would have been a crash. Can you imagine? So, yeah, well, first of all, The Flash is better in this version because in in the Whedon cut, he is a major pain in the ass, yeah. And it's just, oh, God, he's just awful. Now, he's... I mean, he's still annoying in this, do you know mm. what I mean? But much, much less so. And, um, you know, he's there's there's a bit more emotion to him. The whole thing with his dad in, in jail, um, this is Billy uh, crude up, isn't it? A bit like um, you. A bit like me and you now talking. If, we, if I was much. there, I'll have my hand against the glass. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, all that kind of stuff worked. I thought, you know, um, the, but and then, but the, you know, the whole thing was about that was put out about weed and cutting back cyborgs part yes. and all of, and then cyborg being given this backstory and everyone going mad, including Ray Fisher, saying, "Oh, it's absolutely amazing what he's done." Zack Snyder's a genius. All they're talking about him like he's Fellini, and then you've got, and then and then you watch it and you go like, right, it's just another comic book. Back, comic book character backstory. It's nothing remarkable about it at all. Guess what? It's one that is drenched in misery and tragedy, like all the others. You know what I mean? Mm. His mum dies in a car accident. He's about to die. His dad, his dad saves him, kind of, and then by, dies. by turning him into fucking Barry Sheen stroke Robocop. And, um, and he's... So, yeah, he gets his backstory. But it's a nothing backstory, you know? So I don't understand what all that is. And also backstories in this film and pretty much in all kinds of uh, superhero movies in a way, but definitely in Snyder's because they are so bleak. They're only really there to justify the violence that those characters are about to commit. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And it's like, Oh, you know, I mean, just quickly on the violence of the film, is it, there's uh, so I've like, got it's, a real it's an, R, it's an R-rated film right it's been it's been certificate I understand that I understand it but the Cut wasn't and in that it's got the most offensive piece in it which is the the London terrorist bit when you've got a group of school children and a cowering teacher about to be executed by a bloke with an AK-47 and he fires at them yeah Wonder Woman saves them but it's appalling how is that entertainment for that i mean that was released as a 12 as a family film children in peril is not my idea of entertainment in a family film yeah you can stick it in an r-rate film you're still a cunt if you do it because it's so nihilistic it's horrible you're still a cunt if you put it in an r-rated film yeah it it works in a film like dirty harry on the bus scene because you're talking about a very very adult film this isn't a very adult film it's a superhero movie do you know what i mean and it's not watchmen either where you can get away with that. It's like, it, that bit was just like, this is fucked up. Who puts that in a film? It's, it's like, um, like, look, I grew up in an era where there were any, there were no good superhero movies. And when they were, they were completely badly portrayed by studio execs that have no idea of the source material. Um, like, and even when Tim Burton's Batman came out, I, you know, we've already experienced Miller and and stuff and we're like this well this isn't my batman this is still campy you know if i wish someone could do a a proper batman so it's almost um you know and, and zach's our age he's probably he's he's, act, he's he's acting like a a teenager now he's got all the toys he's got all the tools to do what he always wanted to do oh yeah show There's really not... dark uh there, movie there is well i mean i think his reinvention of batman isn't bad at all especially his reinvention of Bruce Wayne. Well, dude, I mean, you know, the, the Bat- Batman, people... there's, some, there's some really good scenes from uh, Ben Affleck's interpretation of Batman that I really love. I, I love the opening of Batman in, in Batman v Superman where he infiltrates a human trafficking um, uh, ring and the police go there, the Gotham police get there and apparently he's still in the building to the effect, and he's such a scary creature that to the effect, the people he were freeing 
um, didn't want to go out because they said the devil's still here, which I, I love, the devil's still here. And the music yeah. was building up. And that's exactly what Batman is. He he uses fear as his power. He doesn't have a superpower, it's fear. And yeah. so so you've got this young rookie cop like starting to shake in, shaking his gun, thinking, okay, you know, I thought this was a myth. This is all like, you know, what, what people told each other to so the kids can go to bed early. And mm -hmm. then you see Batman in the corner of the ceiling, you know, out of focus. And it was like a horror movie. And yeah, so, right. so, so, so this is when you get the best of Zack Snyder. That kind of yeah, stuff, no, like that was I mean, brilliant. That was one of the best portrayals of Batman. And then also the warehouse scene afterwards when he just kicks the shit out of everyone. That was well, like, like Arkham the, Asylum. It was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. You've also got the part, you know, at the beginning when um, the, he's trying to save the people in Wayne Tower or whatever. In Wayne yeah, 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 yeah. And he and he's terrific in that. Yes. Bit. I mean, because because Affleck really does have a presence. Now the problem is, is that the fucking suit don't fit him. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and also, also, Affleck was up for it in BVS. He wasn't up for it. No, you can tell. I, mean, I, I, I wanted to talk about that too because it's just like, I mean, look, um, he looks like he's sitting there going, fuck, I wish I hadn't signed up for two films. I know what? Batman's pretty, pretty morose and stoic character, but he really, that actually seemed real and oh, intentional coming up. Oh, it's a, it's a lazy performance. Mm. I mean, seriously, he doesn't lead the Justice League at all, does he? Really? And it's interesting. <laughs> you can tell where the few shots where they did reshoot it, um, he's out of his alcoholism stage. He had a puffy, alcoholic face during Justice League. To, you know, mm. So his cow was like, it was really fitted his jaw. You notice there's some, there's some scenes, especially the last scene with um, uh, Jared Leto's Joker and stuff. The cow's just flopping yeah. on, his, on his more gaunty face, um, which is interesting, yeah. actually. Uh, they didn't bother remoulding uh, a new cow for him. But we'll get to that scene as well. But, but yeah, you're talking about how, Batman, how uh, Ben Affleck appears in his suit. Yeah, and it's well, you know, it, it don't fit him, right? And also, I found I find the design of the Batman suit really daft in this movie. The fact that the points of on the top of the mask are so short. Well, you know, this is this is Frank Miller's it, Dark Knight Batman. It's yeah, like no, big I get Batman that. on the chest and the short horns. It's the it's the Dark Knight Returns, yeah, right? Yeah, Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns, and Affleck's perfect for that, right? Mm. Because he's getting older. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's not as old as he is in Dark Knight Returns, but he's getting older. He's you know, he's still in shape, but he's pushing it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But the fact that he, they've got that, you know, then they should have found a different actor with a with a longer face. Because, you know, he is one stocky dude. He's and big. He is face, big. You his face him, just looks huge. You look at him next to the team. He's bigger than Soups. Now, the, we haven't talked about the elephant in the room, right? And um, we've been talking about a Justice League movie for, like, the past whatever we haven't even mentioned Superman. We haven't mentioned Henry Cavill's name. And we need to talk about Henry. <laughs> we need to talk this, about Henry. This, this man, um, and you have to call him man instead That's, of an actor, mm. I think. He's just a man, right? He's definitely not <laughs> a Superman. And so you've got Henry Cavill, um, possibly, along with Army Hammer, um, one of the most vacuous leading men of our generation. And I don't know if you've seen Man from Uncle. No, um, I haven't. Yeah, don't. Don't do it. Don't yeah. do it to yourself. Um, these two actors, dear God. I mean, Army Hammer's got a little bit more range. I give him that. I mean, Henry Cavill can walk down a street in a straight line. 
as an actor, and I've seen Army Hammer walk down the street and turn around a corner. But that's <laughs> that's about it. Henry Cavill, what is he? Henry Cavill, no, this is this is the question. Henry Cavill, why? Mm. Look, what he is he, he is to anything? He, he, he has no he Superman. Has, yeah, he's got no charm. I'll give you that. He's got no charm. Um and when Superman is supposed to be the boy scout of superheroes, right? He's supposed to be the symbol of hope. He's supposed to put a smile on your face. Try to treat Superman with with resentment, it seems. I mean, he's, you know, this film is four hours long. He's only in half of it, thank fuck. And then, and in that point, he becomes evil twice. It's like, what? Yeah. It's like, what's, what's going on? And, you know, you've got that whole bit when they sort of, resurrect him um which looks wicked by the way when they're all going up against him and it's like and gal gadot as one of them says like stop he can't help it or i'm paraphrasing like he doesn't know who he is right so in Zack snyder's world if someone with huge powers doesn't know who they are suddenly becomes a murderous bastard (laughs) it's like right okay and, and in Whedon's one, it's even nastier. Bizarrely, he grabs um, he grabs Batman, and he looks like he's about to try and crush his face. And he just, he asks him, "Do you bleed?" And it's like, right? Why would he do that? Do you know what I mean? Why? Why? It doesn't make any sense. You've you've got this kind of, you know, this reawakening, this resurrection of a god uh, of the dead. alien well, look, god. I gave you a call yesterday, and you you were just as bad. I woke you up in the middle of the morning, you know, at 9.30, you know, <laughs> same thing. And I'm going to add it at the end of this. That's a very good point. Yeah. Fair enough. So, so there maybe, you go. That's that Maybe sorted. he was hanging. Oh, no. <laughs> he was hanging. He had to hang over from hell. Yeah. Look. Um, and it's one, just before we sort of wrap it up, I also... We're not wrapping it up. I'm going to have to say why I like it. Because there's going to be some Snack Snyder fans out there that want some sort of redemption. So I'm going to well, give them a I, I think we've been quite fair. I think we've been constructive. It's, okay. just we've, it's just the things that really stick out are obviously the negative bits. Mm. You know, that's just the human condition. Of what did you like about it, cunt. Simon? Simon, what? what did you like about it? Hold on a minute. I want to talk about Batman just quickly Go again. Now, I obviously had four hours to think about this. <laughs> but I'm watching, I'm watching Batman, right? And I'm like, and all, I'm thinking of all the Batman movies I've seen, which I think is probably all of them, and the bat, you know, Batman in general from the comic book. And I'm like, Batman's a cunt, isn't he? You know, I'm talking to myself because yeah. I'm in solitary confinement. I go, Batman's a cunt, isn't he? It's like, yeah, he's like the antithesis of Robin Hood, really, because what he does essentially, apart from when it comes up against like super villains, is he spends his time as a multi-millionaire beating up poor people mm. society's ills because society has made the criminal I has, I've, I've been spending a lot of time on my own let's move on okay good stuff good stuff okay what you've said all makes sense absolute sense and we've both um, I think given it a fair critique on why we don't like it um, our own subjective views but look on top oh, of all of that on top of all of that as I said, I'm going to go back to when I was growing up, there were no good superhero movies. Uh, mm-hmm. If you told a young Salvador that, hey, you're going to get a four-hour Justice League movie uh, where Batman kills people, I'll be like, yes! <laughs> you know, um, so I've got to a point that every superhero movie that comes out, I go and watch. I have to. I just have to do it. Um, it's it's one of my vices. Um, and to 
and there's been so many uh it gets to a point where okay there's some actual pretty good ones out there and, and they usually land on marvel's uh desk um so even though what we said about uh the darkness um the the depression the bleakness of Zack snyder's interpretation of this dc universe i still i'm still smiling and glad that it's been it's been made that someone's actually put four hours of an indulgent piece of work you know that's what it is it's indulgence right it's self-indulgent but that's that's probably why it works that's what that's why that's why i'm happy for him like good for you zach yeah it's yes it's absolute bonkers but bloody hell you're not lying to me you're giving me all of your heart. You've, you've, you're, you're spraying it out there. Yeah, it doesn't work in parts. Loads of parts, maybe. But do you know what? I'm happy I sat through it. Um, would I watch it again from start to finish in one sitting? No. But no. if it's on TV and there's a scene coming up, do you know what? I might watch this beginning. I do like the first hour. I'm going to watch that. Um, or, okay, there's a nice little scene here between uh, or when Flash is speeding around superman and he's slowly catching him he's eyeballing him you know that's a great scene i love all of that kind of stuff um do will i see uh a sequel to this if Zack snyder does it yes of course i will <laughs> you know i saw the the, the batshit craziness of his um premonition dream sequence which we'll get into actually when when did batman become a bloody you know a foreseer you know some sort of well, shaman I mean, when, when did that come from I mean, they should they should have chosen someone else. Surely, Cyborg should have had some kind of weird digital dream. Weird you know? little quantum. Um, it's, it's, like, it's weird, but I mean, he needed to give. I mean, if he, he needed to give um, Affleck more shit in that film because he doesn't do fuck all, does he? Well, I, maybe this becomes um, explainable in the in the second story. Maybe why is he getting these premonitions? I know the first one through BVS was because. Uh, Flash Barry Allen actually came back in time and told him um, what we're led up to believe is that Lois Lane is the key Lois Lane there's one shot that you see Superman in tears and like Darkseid putting a consoling hand on his shoulder as if look it's your superhero friends that has killed Lois Lane and he just goes batshit crazy and starts working alongside Darkseid to destroy humankind maybe i don't know and we we pick it up at the end where it's batman is with his troop of uh i don't know his 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 gang of um flash i think aquaman was in it uh deathstroke was there and and joker um and it seems like they're going from dimension to dimension or alternative reality to alternative reality via barry allen's uh time jumping which we're going to get to i think with his flash movie flashpoint where he, he, he jumps dimensions or or um, travels through time. And I think that it's almost going to be like a Groundhog Day thing. They, they're going to try and find a way to convince Superman that uh, we're not the bad guys and try and save Lois Lane so he doesn't go batshit crazy. Um, yeah, that's it's going to be. It's going to be DC's blip, right? Yeah. I imagine. Do you know what I mean? I think that's what it is. It'll be like the blip. What, what, you, what, do you think, what do you think about that that epilogue? I thought it was kind of weird that they slapped. It's like two epilogues. Right? Well, it was like epilogue on top of epilogue, and like you had you had you had that end scene which was on the theatrical release where uh, yeah. you had Lex Luthor um, meeting up with Deathstroke and Le- and and Lex giving Deathstroke 
uh, Batman's um, identity as Bruce Wayne. There you go. Now you can go and get him. And he's like, yeah. And that's where the movie should have ended, really. Like, okay, cool. You're, you're setting up a cool Batman v Deathstroke movie. But then we get another uh, scene set, which is supposed to be in the future, where you've got Deathstroke buddying up with bats already. They're in a team, which makes yeah. that other scene completely redundant. Yeah, uh, it's, and, and, it's probably a very, very expensive scene, isn't it? I mean, that 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 yacht alone. The speedboat alone going up to the yacht looks yeah. like a million dollars. Do you know what I mean? It's totally crazy. I think um, I remember reading about this. I can't remember where I saw it. I think it was in Variety. But he then, after the cut, which was like three hours fifty something, he then said he then added um, the epilogue, the epilogue as it is now. The Jared Leto that, one to say the Joker. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Batman's cowl didn't even fit his face. You can see the gaps between his jawline. You notice yeah. that his 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 puffiness is gone. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Why is he wearing a cowl, by the way? They all know he's Bruce Wayne. They all know he's Bruce Wayne. Why is no. he wearing the horns? I know it's bizarre, isn't it? Um, but that I like that scene. I was just like, wow. Okay. I mean, and 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 after sitting through four hours of absolute craziness, you just think at that point, yeah, why not? Exactly. You know I mean? Exactly. It's <laughs> dialed. It's consistently consistently dialed to eleven. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah. Well, you know, of course that's happened. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and, I like, and of course he's mates with the. And then Martian like, Man. And then Martian. Yeah. And it is Martian Manhunter. Bye. You know. Yeah. Another... It's like um, you know. Totally, when we were talking earlier, like Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns, it's got so much of that, so much ki killing joke vibe as well. Yeah. It's not universe, you know what I mean? And a bit of Batman Year One as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he does try and put everything into it. And warts and all. Yes, um, yes, yes. From the, from, from the start of this conversation, I've come around to actually thinking it's all right. <laughs> Mate, Simon, it's nuts. It's that, there's no nuance. Zack Snyder Films has no nuance, no depth at all, okay? It's all surface. It's all panel to screen. And he's nuts. And I kind of like that he exists. And I like that he did this craziness. Also, let's quickly, before we wrap it up, because I'm pretty sure your, um, your governor's going to have a word of you and, and, and pull oh, you off and oh, take you to the oh, showers. Oh, Quick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Four-hour director's cut has now been accepted by a streaming service, HBO Max. I'm I'm pretty hopeful that this is a, a good thing. Say, for example, now Michael Mann makes another Heat or whatever, something similar, or Scorsese does a gangster movie, but he wants he, he's got an idea of making it a six-hour epic, a new form of storytelling. Sure enough, they've all been constrained. All these directors have been constrained to work within the limits of a theatrical release, keeping it in within the three-hour mark, lower if possible, so we can shift as many screenings as we can in one day, in one cinema to take box office. But now, now what would happen is you get the theatrical release and you'll get a director's cut on streaming service and you can choose which to watch when you're on Netflix or Disney Plus uh, or whatever. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's just an option. Yeah, yeah it is. It is and it, it, is and it isn't. Because um, ultimately, if the film isn't, um, if the studios deem that the film is not going to be viably um, cost-effective, they'll just stick it on a streaming service. Mm. Well, so, this, this might be the way of cinema anyway, actually. This might be the way of no, cinema No, no, anyway. I'm, I'm sure it if is. You, if you're not a big blockbuster, if you're not going to make a billion pounds like Marvel, 
they're just going to slap it on Netflix, aren't they? Yeah. So um, I think, I mean, Scorsese's next thing is with DiCaprio and De Niro, isn't it? I think that's going to be for Netflix. Mm. Um, it'll, it'll get a very small release uh, theatrically, I imagine. Uh, Michael Mann, as you were talking about him, um, he's in the process of doing Tokyo Vice, which is a book. Mm. Uh, but that, that's for HBO Max. But it's a TV series at the moment. Whether it's going to be changed, I don't know. But yeah, I think it is the way of the world. Um, it's to be accepted um, to a certain degree. But the other thing that that does, which is sad, is it sticks um, another nail in the coffin of 35mm. Do you know what I mean? Because it's becoming not only um, sort of obsolete, it's becoming and not just like a pain in the ass, as in because it's so expensive. Um it's it's irrelevant mm. because if you're making stuff for digital TV, why would you bother making it on 35 mil if you're not going to show it in a cinema? Um, so that's that's sad, you know. That's that, and I know um, you are of the opinion, and so am I, that like superhero movies have saved cinema in one way financially, like bums on seats mm. um, in the past ten years, but they have also sped up. Um, digital filmmaking and the death of 35 millimeter. You know they've sped it up. They've, um, you know, they've given it the overdose, so it's ready to fall off the cliff. Anyway, I digress. Um, um, so I would, look, I would recommend cinema under the stairs. Cinema on the stairs isn't going to suffer. Okay, we're always going to be showing films at our lovely cinema. So you need to get out of prison, sharpish. And uh, look, yeah. I tell you what, I'll bring a filing. Uh, thingamajig in a, in a piece of Waz's banana bread and you can get through one of those bars, okay? And I'll be on the oh, other I, side. Count the Monte Cristo, I'll end up in the Botley sewage system. <laughs> okay, look, let's wrap it off. I kind of, look, I enjoyed, um, as crazy as it sounds, Justice League Snyder Cut. I'm glad it exists. I had a great time because I watched it with Steve and Jimbo together, streaming, you know, independently, remotely on our own abodes. But it was great to watch uh, a crazy film like that and, and turn over to your side and say something while something crazy is going on and then have a talk afterwards. I love that. That might have helped a lot on why I enjoyed um, uh, yeah. Justice League this time because it was great watching it with a couple of friends. Um, yeah. uh, I think you have to... I, I, God, if I had to watch it on my own like you did, Solitary Confinement, geez, yeah. that's tough. That is tough. Straight after Justice League, Joss Whedon. You need to talk to someone and that's why we're talking. But yeah, I'm glad. Yeah. Uh, how long? How long are you going to be locked up? I don't know. I've got. I've got a court next week. I'll give you a shout. Okay, mate. Take care. Baked potato. Bye.